Welcome to Horses for Future. Horse people can make a difference in the climate change crisis, and together we're learning how. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of The Click That Teaches, a step-by-step -step guide in pictures, and many other books and DVDs on clicker training. And today I'm joined by Reed Prinzo, and this is going to be a very different kind of look at what horse people can do in terms of making a difference for the environment. So Reed is a financial advisor. He's a member of the Bryant Asset uh, Management and Commonwealth Financial, and one of his areas of specialty is ESG and sustainable investing. And what we're going to be doing is asking Reed what that means. And for some people listening to this, I will say that we're recording this on April 2nd, 2020, and Reed, both of us are, we're, we're, we're in the stay in your, your homes, stay away from people. We're at the peak, we're, we're waiting yes. for yeah. oh, the peak of the coronavirus. It's, we're, we're both in New York State. It's really hitting this area hard. And the world is just absolutely, yes. absolutely topsy-turvy. And so some people may be thinking, why are you talking about investments? We've just had, in March, we had the stock market going crazy, and we had people panicking over their 401k investments. And right now, people are, are out of work. Businesses are closed. Our, our income has just dropped off a cliff. And you're talking about investments. And I think, well, yes, that seems like a good time to talk about investments. You know, there, there are lots of reasons why people may be thinking about, well, what should I be doing with my money? Should I be, all that cash I've been stuffing into my mattress, is anybody ever going to want to touch cash again? Maybe I should be investing it somewhere. Uh, you know, there are all kinds of reasons why we should look at this. And we were chatting the other day, and you were telling me about the ways in which if you are going to be thinking about looking at what you are going to be doing with any investments you, you might have, that you can invest them in environmentally, socially, along the lines of your personal ethics. And when, we, when you started telling me about that, I said, oh, we have to do a podcast together because this is such a great way for horse people to make a difference. So tell us about ESG and sustainable investing. And first of all, you're, you were also telling me a little bit about your background as a financial advisor. Yeah, Alexandra, thank, thank you so much for having me on. This is definitely a unique opportunity for me and I'm excited to be on here today. This is actually my, my first podcast. So this is a great and, and interesting new endeavor. And I would like to say, first of all, we have to recognize that what's going on in the world right now with the coronavirus and with folks being sick and with us losing folks and with this achieving a pandemic status, that is first and foremost and in really everyone's yes. mind is health, health of yourself, health of your family, health of your friends. And, and I can totally appreciate that. 
but you brought up a good point. You said, why, why is right now a time to talk about investing or investments? It does seem, on one hand, it does seem like we have bigger issues in the world right now. But to me, it also feels like, just from my point of view as a financial advisor, I work with over 500 clients and we manage roughly $300 million on their behalf. We've had a lot of people, new people, coming to us over the past months asking us about what what is really going on with the virus, how it's affecting the economy, and therefore how is it going to affect the stock market. A lot of people have become complacent, might not be the right word, but the stock market has been doing well for 10 years since the financial crisis in 2008. So folks really haven't thought a lot about their investments or how they're allocating their money. And now that we've seen some volatility and a rough patch in the market as a result of this, this terrible virus, people are starting again to question where their money is and how they're investing it. And, and that kind of led you and I down the path of, if you're starting to think about where you're investing, why you're investing, what you're doing with your long-term money that you're saving up, if you haven't heard about environmental, social, or governance, or sustainable investing, now, now is the perfect opportunity to talk about so it. So what does that mean? Yeah, so that, that's a great question. And I know that that is kind of the million-dollar question because yes. this, is a, this is a great industry and this is a great investment technique. But what I find in my line of work is, is a lot of people don't even know what ESG or sustainable investing is. They think of finance as Wall Street, as millionaires, as the bell ringing in the morning and, and men shouting at each other all day long saying buy and sell. And this is a dramatically different investment world. ESG investing, in a nutshell, is environmental, social, and governance investing. And this can also be referred to as sustainable investing. And what this is, is that it incorporates a set of standards that aligns a company's operations and strategy with principles related to environmental responsibility, social concerns, and corporate governance. So this whole idea grew out of a, a movement or an awareness of the public that you can pursue your financial goals while at the same time promote societal and environmental well-being. And at the time, that was kind of a novel idea. I think a lot of people didn't understand that you can align your investment pool and your savings and your retirement with your moral and personal values and goals and passions and things that you are, are really enjoyed and focused on. So by choosing ESG or sustainable investments, you can select companies whose concerns match the issues that you care about. And on the flip side of that, you can avoid companies that operate contrary to your values. So really, I can kind of go into the details of what types of companies, what, what we're looking for when we invest in environmental, social, and governance companies. Would that be a kind of good next step to discuss? That would be super. And of course, we're not, in the for, with this podcast, we're not giving people advice on 
how they should be investing their money per se in terms of you should be buying this stock or that stock or getting out of stocks. But it's an interesting idea that we can make these choices and that it's not a trade-off, that it's not, well, I'd like to build up my retirement and so I'd like to have a good return on my retirement, but I also would like to invest ethically and if I want a good return, do I have to give up investing ethically or can I get a good return on my investment and feel good in terms of how my money is being used? And, and I think that's really the important piece of this, that you can have your cake and eat it too, from what I'm hearing from you. Yes, exactly. And I agree that no one listening to this podcast today should take this as uh, advice on your own personal situation. That's something you always want to discuss with a financial advisor or your own particular situation. You should always have someone that you can go to to discuss how you're investing in your particular risk tolerance and where you're at in terms of your time horizon and where you're at in terms of your investment portfolio. So no, this isn't individual advice. This is more of a broad-based discussion surrounding ESG and sustainable investing, just to promote awareness. Yes, so so what kinds of companies then would we be looking at in terms of the environmental sustainability? Right, absolutely. And so the types of companies that we are looking for when we are making ESG sustainable decisions. So in terms of the environmental aspect, we're looking for companies that are energy efficient. We are looking for companies that are waste management efficient. We are looking for companies that uh, limit and reduce their air and water pollution. We're looking for companies that are thinking about water scarcity and how to deploy the water that they use and they employ in their day-to-day -day business. And these companies, these sustainable companies, we actually have a comparison of uh, responsible companies and how they compare to the Russell 1000 index, which is just a kind of a broad look at a thousand different companies out in the investable universe. These responsible companies have 33% lower carbon emissions than the average company in the Russell 1000. They have 100% less tobacco production exposure. They have 84% lower toxic emissions, and they use 59% less water. So these companies are truly differentiating themselves in terms of how they operate versus the mainstream and versus the rest of the companies that exist out there. And, and this is a United States-based analysis. So they're truly differentiating themselves. How is this determined? Are they self-measuring or is this monitored by an outside agency? No, that's a great, that's a fantastic question because, uh, I mean, if I've learned anything in, in finance, tr typically you shouldn't trust what the companies say about themselves. You want them to be <laughs> analyzed by a rating service that sits independent of them. So the U.S. SIF, which is the Forum for Sustainable Investing, is one of the largest evaluators of company companies in this universe. And they exclusively rank companies based on their ESG factors. The UN Global Compact is another service that rates companies. The PRI, which is Principles for Responsible Investment, rates them. 
The SASB, the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board, is another third-party ranking system. And then we also have analysis from Morningstar, which is one of our trusted partners that analyzes individual equity names for us. So these rankings are compiled from multiple different uh, independent ratings agencies, which I do think is very important in a conversation like this, because not that we don't trust company reporting or individual firm reporting, but if we've learned lessons in the past, it's it's better to have it ver- verified by a third party. Absolutely. If, if we can. Absolutely. So are there co- companies that would surprise us that they're on the list or or that they're not on the list? Well, that's, that's a question. Are, are you talking about good surprises or bad surprises? <laughs> uh, good surprises. So companies that are kind of known for their good ESG or sustainable companies, uh, Cisco, Salesforce, Adobe, uh, UPS and Pepsi are two of them that might surprise some people. Uh, John Deere, Target, Apple is a big one. All of these companies are known for their efforts and their progression and their focus on ESG factors in their day-to-day business. Yeah, I think I would be surprised by UPS and and Pepsi. Hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that kind of leads us to the question of, uh, we talk about aligning your investment your personal investments with your moral values through environmental or ESG or sustainable investing sounds great. But the the million dollar question that then occurs is it when I'm doing this, am I sacrificing the performance of my retirement accounts, which then becomes kind of a, a tough question for people. And yes, because it's all well and good to say, Oh, I want to, you know, go forth and, and do right by the planet. But sometimes when push comes to shove and you're looking at, but this is my retirement right. fund. This is, you know, my little nest right. egg. I, I need it to work hard for me. So can you afford that trade-off? And you've got some pretty big names sitting on that list of companies that are meeting the standard. Yes, and, and that is a question that, that occurs almost without fail. And I think naturally so, the first time I have this sustainable investing conversation with uh, clients or people who are interested in hearing more about it, because, right, I, I mean, people do want to invest the right way, but they're, they're concerned, and rightfully so. And fortunately, the sustainable investing universe holds up very well. Uh, I'm looking at research here by a professor named George Serafim from the Harvard Business School, who some of you may have heard of out there. And he has shown that companies uh, that are achieving environmental sustainability goals are outperforming those that lag in these same goals. Long-term sustainability perspective not only helps the environment, it also helps bolster these companies' bottom lines. So that's a very powerful statement from a Harvard Business School study that was performed recently. And the same study goes on to state that the large cap responsible index outperforms that Russell 1000 index of 1000 general stocks we discussed over a one year, a three year, a five year and a 10 year basis. 
uh, which really lends a lot of credence to the fact that these sustainable investments are not just a fad or kind of a trendy niche. This is really where the investment industry is going. And that's also born a little bit in, in the numbers. According to the 2018 report on sustainable, responsible, and impact investing trends, total ESG and sustainable assets jumped 38% to $12 trillion in the U.S. alone. These assets now represent 26% of the total U.S. assets under management invested. So basically one out of every $4 now is in a sustainable investing fund or in a company that is focused on sustainable investing. And just for a bit of perspective, when this market was first measured in 1995, it was only $639 billion, which is an 18-fold increase over the past 25 years. Wow. So this is definitely not, not a fad. It's not a, a niche anymore. This is where we're going. Wow. And it's making quite a statement then about the importance of including environmental impact in your business model, that it's good for business to be environmentally conscious. Absolutely. And I mean, right, if you dig a little bit deeper below these numbers and the outperformance by sustainable investments, what you're going to find is that these companies, I mean, just environmental concerns, companies that have toxic emissions or carbon emissions are going to end up having to pay regulatory fines or do upgrades to their capital their capital assets, their plants, their locations, the government's going to come in, they're going to fine them. They're going to mandate that they put hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars into their facilities to upgrade them in terms of their environmental capabilities. It's not a good long-term plan for your company to not be environmentally friendly. And that's just one example of how these companies that are thinking about sustainable business trends going forward are positioning themselves to be the winners in the long term. And, and I mean, another example that I, I like to talk about is that if a company is located outside an urban center and they're dumping toxins into the water or they're polluting into the air, over the long term, they're going to drive residents and population out of that city because the air is going to be so polluted, the water is not going to be drinkable, that they're actually poisoning the very populations and the very economies that they're trying to serve and sell to and be integrated with. So for the long-term impact of these companies, they need to think about environmental concerns. And clearly some of, some of these very large companies that we recognize, they are which is really encouraging. Mm. Yes, it is. But yeah. we, uh, that being said, we have a, a long way to go. I know one of the main culprits that I, I find myself talking about on the, on the naughty list is Amazon. Yes. Amazon's a company that people love. I, I can almost guarantee that everyone tuning into this podcast, and, and Alexandra, probably you and I as well, order things from Amazon. Yep. But they are typically not not doing the right thing in terms of the environment they are i'm i'm appalled by amazon actually i have a love-hate relationship with amazon because like everyone i find it very convenient everything's on amazon right. but i'm i'm 
we're having a science camp at the barn. Hopefully this year we're having it. We were going to have it in May, but now it's been postponed until September because of the coronavirus and we're crossing all fingers that we'll be able to have it. So I was ordering some things to prepare for this. And, and I was ordering in quantity because I need quantity sure. for the science camp. And they would come individually boxed over multiple days. Right, right. The, the packaging, the extra driving, it's just appalling. And then you, the things that you hear about the way that in the warehouses, the work conditions are just appalling. Yes. So yes, I can well imagine that Amazon has a long way to go before it would ever be considered even close to coming off of the let's not invest there list. Right. And you bring up an interesting point when you bring up the workers in the warehouse at Amazon, because we've talked a lot so far about uh, the E in ESG, which is environmental. Yes. But the other two legs of it are S and G, and S is social. And what the social aspect uh, concerns is human rights, labor standards, employee engagement, community relations, customer satisfaction. And Amazon, unfortunately, on the human rights, labor standards, employee engagement, they're failing relatively spectacularly in terms of how they treat these people. I mean, I'm sure we've all seen kind of on 60 Minutes or uh, major reporting broadcasts just how hard the workers at Amazon are, are worked every day. I, I think they're given timed bathroom breaks and the five minutes includes the time it takes to get to and from the bathroom, even though it might be across an entire warehouse where you basically have to jog to get there and back within those five minutes. Uh, Amazon does have a long, long way to go, but that's an interesting conundrum because they are a company that's obviously growing and obviously becoming more part of our day-to-day -day lives. Absolutely. And we're the ones that are saying, oh, we love this next day delivery. Right. We love the the instant gratification and we're we're part of the problem in terms of pushing those workers to pack more 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 for less 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 so we love the free shipping and we you know we love all of these things that Amazon lures us in with but it comes at a cost right but enter ESG and sustainable investing again here's how we as individuals can make a difference when you invest in mutual funds, which we do here at my firm at Commonwealth and under my purveyance, these mutual funds will aggregate the investor money from yourself, myself, thousands of other investors. They will own shares of stock, which then they can vote as proxy voters, as owners of these companies. And a lot of these sustainable mutual funds control such significant portions of a company like Amazon, they now go and vote on these issues cumulatively with the board of directors. And recently, environmental ESG and sustainable funds have changed policies at Amazon because they have voted in such force and so vocally with so much power of the aggregation of all these smaller investors who wanted to invest this way, that they've helped to change the culture at Amazon. And uh, and they're on the way to the better. So it's just another great example of how, right, as, as individuals, sometimes we feel like 
I recycle at, at my house. I, I do the best I can when I, when I go out. I, I, I mean, I know I pick up trash when I walk my dog or when I'm outside during the days, but it's hard to make an individual impact. Part of these funds is that you are part of a larger entity. And when you have a part of a larger voice like that, you're actively contributing to a vote at these big companies saying, hey, environmental funds own X amount of your company and they're going to vote a different way. It's an interesting twist on the Extinction Rebellion that instead of lying down in the middle of the street stopping you from doing business, we'll just be part of the mutual funds that go in and change your company. Yes, yeah. I rather like that. Yeah, it's, it's right. It's a, you wouldn't think of it. Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting, that's an interesting thought. And there is power. That's you know that's the whole point behind behind saying that horse people can make a difference. There's power in the aggregate. Just one of us, our individual actions aren't going to make any difference in a, the global scheme of things. But if a lot of us take similar actions, we make a huge difference. Correct. And that's what you're saying. Correct. Wow. So governance, what, what does that refer to? Yes, and that, that's kind of the final tenure or tenant of um, ESG investing. Governance refers to board composition, executive comp compensation, lobbying activities, audit committee structure, and corruption policies is kind of the general gist of what governance covers. So this is basically if, if the board of directors of whichever company – you can think of is it 10 white males between the age of 50 and 60 or does this board incorporate minorities women folks of different age ranges is it truly a diverse board because these companies with diverse boards tend to make better long-term decisions than 10 10 people will say who think alike or are of the same kind of demographic right yeah, we all went to the same business school in the same decade. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And yeah. and they're all they all have the exact same goals in, in mind for themselves, and that's probably to take care of themselves prior to the company or the environment or their workers. Executive compensation is a, is another big one, and and we're seeing this bear out right now in the coronavirus and and everything going on in our world today. We see the executives at, at certain companies that are declining to take a salary in 2020 so that they can not lay off workers who are affected by the coronavirus and by their industries being uh, slowed down or shut down in some cases. I guarantee that these companies where the executive teams are forgoing their own salaries are going to score higher on ESG, where the companies where the executives are saying, hey, Every man for himself here, we still deserve to get paid our exorbitant one, two, five million dollar salary this year, even if we are going to lay off 2,000 folks in a warehouse or an industrial facility, they are not going to score as well in an ESG type of world. And I, I think those are the, personally, I like getting behind the types of companies where the, the executives will forego their salaries to make sure that people who really need this money are, are able to keep on getting their paychecks. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Huh. So 
how would people, if, if somebody is thinking about making some changes or shifts of what they're doing with whatever investments they have, how would they find somebody who can help them with an ESG investment? Right, right. That's a that's a fantastic question because this is something that, granted, it's become much more mainstream over uh, the past few years. It's it's still something that you're not going to be able to to do if you're just someone who likes to do it yourself at home. If you're on uh, TD Ameritrade or on a Vanguard account, or pro- most likely you probably, and this is tough, but you you might not have the option through your retirement plan at your work or in an IRA. So that's why it's important for folks to find uh, financial advisors like myself who focus and specialize in ESG and environmentally sensitive and in sustainable investing. So it's something that I only know a few of my peers as financial advisors who do specialize in this type of investing. I know of one of my peers who's down closer to New York City. Again, we are based here in, in upstate New York. But people could direct their questions to me if they did have questions about this type of investing. Or uh, I'm sure a Google search, if you, if you aren't located around the New York area, would work. But I do work with clients all across the country as well. So it is something that I am happy to talk to people about if it is an interest. So we'll definitely give your contact information at the end because... I think this is an important part of of how we can all individually make a difference. Absolutely. And in terms of investing, horse people run the the gamut of got a horse in the backyard and and the horse eats, you know, every penny I make, so to speak. And so whatever is left over for setting aside for retirement is not a great deal of money. And and then it also runs the gamut of people who have considerable assets. How small is too small, I guess, is the way of putting that in terms of talking to a financial advisor. Yeah, a- absolutely. That's another another great question. I know sometimes people are right concerned that their savings might not warrant professional advice. But I have the ability here, we have portfolios, mutual fund portfolios that are focused on ESG and sustainable investing. And our minimum to bring folks into those is $25,000. So it's something where I think a lot of people are surprised sometimes that the the number can be that low. And and that granted, that is a little bit smaller than than my typical client and the typical client we're we're normally bringing on. But honestly, Alexandra, I, I think this is kind of my passion and this is what I like to help people do. So we are willing to talk to folks, even at that smaller asset size, if they are really serious about thinking about sustainable investing. Which is really good news because you have to start somewhere. Right, correct. And right, absolutely. Hmm. So what else should I be asking? That's always the question that I have, especially when we're looking at areas that are not an area that I generally focus on, which is things like the, the financial investments and so on. So what else should I, what, what other questions should I be asking? One question we, I, I do know we get sometimes is, is this more expensive than typical investments? And really, no, it's not. It's right on par with your typical mutual funds 
out there in the universe. So no, it, it isn't terribly more or less expensive than than normal. Yeah, so many other questions. Always I get like who, who's on the good list and who's on the, the naughty list is, is what you kind of already asked me. I guess yeah. the good list. Well, we didn't, we, yeah. So we had Amazon, I guess was, was on the naughty list and, and Apple was on the good yeah. list. So the two A's. Some of the other names that they, that go on the, the bad list, and these are recent too. And again, none of these are recommendations to buy or sell or, or do anything in, in a vacuum because I'm not providing any advice today. That's more what I do for my clients on an individual basis. But some of the companies that screen poorly in terms of ESG factors are Shell, Coca-Cola, Carhill, ExxonMobil, uh, BP, Walmart, Dow Chemicals. GE is an interesting case study because GE is, is close to home for you and I. Yes. Um, and they're, they're working to get better, but they have typically shown up lower on the ESG scale. Some other companies, and this is one I actually, here, here's a question that I get. Because I, personally, I, I'm an animal lover myself. Uh, it, I know everyone tuning into this call is is a horse lover. I, I love horses too. I, I actually, I don't know if I've ever ridden a horse. I would love to someday. But I'm a dog lover. I'm a cat lover. I have a puppy. And a lot of people ask, are we avoiding in these portfolios companies that unnecessarily exploit animals? And that that one hits very close to home for me because uh, I personally really want to avoid those type of companies. Yes. Um, so yes, we're avoiding some of the bigger ones there that we try to avoid are, are Cal Maine Foods. I'm not sure if you've heard of them, but they're a big egg producer. And that comes down to the, the free range chicken conversation. Dean Foods, Sanderson Farms, Tyson Chicken, all of these companies. And I don't know, is that something you discuss on, on this podcast ever? How treatment of animals, I know we try to buy absolutely. free range eggs. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that certainly is, it would be near and dear to my heart and very much up there in the level of importance. So, so yes. So that's, that would be very important that that's included in those considerations. Yeah. That, that one is, a that's other than the environmental factors, then when people hear about the other ones, but that's a question that I typically do get because it just hits so close to home. And for this group is uh, is a, a group of animal lovers. It it's just something that to me is is unacceptable, and it's something we right another way we can work to fix it. I, I know we talk about free range chickens and how the eggs and the uh, products of free range chickens are so different than chickens kept in cages, and, and that's just the reality. These yes. chickens that are free range don't have the same level of stress hormones flowing through their bodies as these poor chickens that are locked in cages every day. So it, it changes their physical anatomy and it changes the, the products that then we use. Yes. So I'm curious that, so Coca-Cola was on the bad list and Pepsi was on the good list. Hmm. Yes. I, what is what is Pepsi doing that that Coca-Cola isn't? Without, without honestly having the individual sustainable reports in front of me, I could not tell you exactly the difference between Pepsi. Because it does strike me too that one, one of these major bottlers and beverage distributors is on the good list and one is on the bad. And I can't tell you if that's human rights or labor standards or uh, a diverse board or if it's 
one of them does a much better job with energy efficiency. That is something that I, we would have to get into on, on a more granular basis. Let me close by saying, uh, first of all, this, this just seems like such an important consideration. And, and I love the idea that we can actually become part of the, that voting block that begins to shift the policies of companies from the we can make these changes from the inside. Yes. I think that's very sneaky, and I really like that idea. <laughs> and that we really can invest along the lines that are a match with our personal ethics. I think that's really important. Yes. So would you like to give your contact information? So if people do become interested in this way of investing, they can get in touch with you. Yes, absolutely. So if folks do want to further this conversation or discuss it with me, I'd, I'd be happy to discuss the principles or the, the logic behind it. Um, my email address is reid, R-E-I-D, at Bryant, B-R-Y-A-N-T, asset, A-S-S-E-T, M-G-T, which is Mike Golf Tango, dot com. Uh, it's short for management. And, and I'm truly happy to talk to anyone about this topic at, at any point, just because it is something that I deeply believe in. It's a passion of mine. It's a way that I've found a, a great way to tie my career in finance together with some of the work that I do outside of my office. I'm on uh, the board of directors actually at a local environmental center here in the upstate New York area called Five Rivers, uh, which is a concern that's very dear to me and something I'm, I'm pretty passionate about. So I, I am happy to talk to folks whenever about this. Excellent, excellent. Well, I certainly appreciate this enormously. And I think you've given people a lot to think about. So we thank you immensely for this time. No problem, I'm, I'm happy to do it. I'd, I'd be happy to come back on maybe once the weather gets a little nicer and, and hopefully everyone out there, uh, I hope everyone's healthy. I, I hope everyone comes out on the other side of this and their families and aren't too affected by coronavirus or are able to make it through this difficult time because uh, I know in industries across America, people are hurting. So I, I hope for the health and safety and success of everyone who tunes in. Yes, absolutely. Because it is, New York is certainly it's in that first wave and it's being hit the hardest, but this is impacting everybody in the U.S. And, and it's impacting throughout the world. It's just, oh, we're in for a very, very hard time over the next, uh, next few months. So hopefully everyone will stay well and we will find a new normal at the other side of this. Yeah. When I recorded this podcast a little over a week ago, in New York State where I live, we were very much caught up in the planning for the peak of the coronavirus hospitalizations. That's what filled our news. That's what filled our thoughts. For people who were not directly involved, we were restricted. So businesses were closed, schools closed. Everything was about the coronavirus, and we were in crisis mode. I don't live in New York City. I live well away from the city, but even so, it was filling our thoughts. Today, as I publish this, it's beginning to look as though 
the curve may indeed be plateauing out, that the very devastating numbers that were being projected were going to be well below those projections, that our behavior has made a difference. So that's good news indeed. It still doesn't tell us what lies ahead. It doesn't tell us how long this pause in our lives is going to continue. It doesn't tell us how much time we have to build new habits and to make choices about how we want to continue. Do we really want to go back to what we were doing before as a society? Or can we use this time to plan for better future, both individually and as a community? That's what this podcast, in a way, was about. In so many ways, each of us can make a difference. We can make a difference in small ways through the choices that we make when we go shopping, through the way we manage our land and our homes. And what Reed has shared with us in this podcast is that we can magnify those choices in some really interesting ways. That if we do have a little nest egg tucked away somewhere, that we can think about how we want to invest it so that it's working for us and that money that we have accumulated is not being invested in companies that work against our personal ethics. So once again, what we're learning is that when we join together, we can create lives in which everyone, people and planet alike, can thrive. Remember, it's not just horse people who can make a difference. We all can. And we need to. 